In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Paul Brown. Wake up, man. You've left us on alone, us two. Again, chaos. That's what it is, chaos. How are we doing, Ian? Right, right, right. It's good. It's amazing. He's like, hey, guys, let's do Thursday. Ah, bad day on the bike. We're going to have to move it to Friday. Oh, the super fan Paul Brown snoozing away. Why? The other ones of us are sitting here working our tails off prepping for the mighty Washington football team. Yeah, WTF. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. But yeah, how you been, Jack? How's life out there in uh, good old England? It's good. It, it, life's awesome now. I've got two non-league football games a week. That's what, three days of NFL. My, my week's packed. It's great. Mates all come around. One o'clock in the morning. Let's eat a load of ribs, wings, nachos. Um, oh, three skinny times Jack is back to beating, eating normal food, huh? Oh, I'm loving it. Did you uh, stay up and watch the fighting Gardner Minshew last night against the bearded uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick? If you think there's a world where I miss Gardner Minshew and Ryan Fitzmagic all in one night, it's never going to happen. Of course I was awake. Uh, what? I mean, honestly, I kind of thought that game would turn out the way it did because you just have these high-hyped players who generally tend to play above their pay grade. So I figured at one point we were going to have to give a little on the Minshew, considering I think going into the game, he was like the second most accurate passer in the league or tied with like Russell Wilson. So I figured Brian Flores was going to turn up the heat on him. Yeah, it was gutting to see uh, Minshew mania uh, hit a speed bump. Uh, luckily, I was all over the PFF unders um, that they're recommending. So I made a little bit of money on that, but uh, lost some money on uh, back in Minshew mania. So uh, uh, yeah, we'll fix it at the weekend. I had I took that under 49. There was way too much hype and fun on that over. And I was like, eh, bad teams sometimes don't score points. So let's jump on that under. So good day at the wick uh ticket for us. But you know, here we are. We're two days before the uh if you're counting Saturday and Sunday, before the you know, Cleveland Browns host the Washington football team, the you know, the mighty riverboat ron rivera's as some may call so now i'll ask you have you been able to watch either of the washington games whether it was versus arizona or against philadelphia so i haven't watched them in whole um i was dipping in i I got plenty of reports about the uh, eagles game because i got a good friend um who's an eagles fan so uh Mm. he was less than impressed um it wasn't so much as a uh, Washington win, as it gets reported. It was very much a uh, self-destruction of uh, the Eagles. So um, I'm not as worried about them as uh, many others are. Uh, they're pretty much a phenomenal D-line and Terry McLaurin. And that's about it. Now, I will say, I hope the Browns win this game by 800. Because in my 
survivor pool, I thought there is a 0% chance in week one the Philadelphia Eagles are losing to the Washington football team. So I put my confidence in the Philadelphia Fly Eagles fly, and instead that bird crashed right into a glass building, dropped me down, and I lost 100 bucks in a survivor pool in week one. So screw you, Washington. I don't know. And you're, I went back and watched the quick highlights. Yeah, absolutely. Carson Wentz just absolutely said, hey, Washington, I have no interest in winning this game. Please go win it. Week two, they go up against Kyler Murray, who says, I may be 5'8". You may have all these first-round picks, but guess what? I'm just a lot faster than all of them. It was literally like watching a game of Madden, which is his ability to just get outside of the pocket and then just run around. I mean, that's really what it was. It was a lot of just backyard ad-lib football. So it'll be an interesting test for the Browns because the Browns are a little bit more of your traditional, you know, north and south, you know, run it, pound it, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust as the old Ohio adage would give it. And I don't think Washington's really seen that. You know, they, they faced a banged up Eagles offensive line week one. They didn't have Miles Sanders. I could play right now receiver for the Eagles. So the Browns, I think, are going to pose quite a bit of the opposition to what the, uh, the Washington football is used to seeing this year. Yeah, and no, I, I think we're, we're in a really good position to capitalize. It, the question is going to come down to can Baker execute a quick passing offense? Um, so as long as he can get the ball out quick, their secondary is open. There's a couple of nice pieces in there. Got Landon Collins. Um, we spoke for the show about Derby on a bit of a resurgence, but there should be enough holes with the amount of weapons we've got to go and find people. So um, Baker's just got to get the ball out of his hands quick. And the, the weird thing is it might force him a bit more to stay in the pocket, which might have some positive knock-on consequences down later in the season. Um, so it could be an interesting one where he's forced to stay in the pocket and he actually looks for the pass, pass first read and really lets it rip. So that's going to be something I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, how he copes with that. Because, yeah, if he starts airing it out and using all these different targets, we could really uh, we could get Baker cooking. Well, it's going to be a unique matchup solely because... A, you have rookie and rookie strength, right? So all of your uh, Alabama, Ohio State people would have loved to have seen this matchup last year, but Jedrick Wills versus Chase Young. Um, so we'll see if Washington tries to maybe just isolate Chase Young over there on Baker's blind side. But I think as most Ohio people and as most listeners of the podcast know, the best way to neutralize a pass rush is run it right at him. And, you know, obviously we'll, we'll put some stock a little bit into the PFF grades, but one of the things that I kind of see as a common trend amongst the Washington defense is they tend to miss some tackles, especially in their secondary, Mr. Landon Collins, Mr. Fabian Monroe. Now Darby, like I said, has had a good year. If the Browns running backs get to these second levels and start taking on, you know, the Jimmy Moreland's and uh, Fabian Moreau's, the Cameron curls, some of these guys, we may be in for some long runs because these guys have missed a lot of tackles. They don't like to shed blocks. So if the Browns can establish that run game earlier with their two-headed, you know, horsemen of uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, you might not see as much of that, you know, really talented Washington defensive line. Yeah, and I think we might see a bit more of the reverse of last week where we saw Nick Chubb as the feature back and then Kareem Hunt slide in in like the fourth quarter because if they are looking more for that, quick passing game then you're probably better if you're going to have a running back in there putting uh 
Kareem Hunt in there just because he gives you more in that receiving game. So um, it could be one where we actually see the script change and we see a lot more of uh, Kareem Hunt in the first half and then later in the game when we're leading and we just want to run and bring in a fresher uh, Nick Chubb to go crazy. Yeah, I definitely think that you're going to see a lot of the play actions. Ultimately, one of the things you have to remember for a rookie defensive end, and I think we saw this in 2017 with Miles Garrett, is they know how to get to the quarterback, but how disciplined are they? And when you have a guy, first of all, by the way, I don't know if you've seen the video, Kevin Stefanski's ability to enunciate a play call, calm, cool, collected, John Gruden in the Colt McCoy thing, not existent. So I was quite impressed about his ability to enunciate those play calls, but Stefanski's a bright guy. So what's he going to do? Let's throw some play actions. Let's throw some boots. Let's just see how disciplined these defensive ends really are. Don't be surprised if you see maybe a little bit of misdirection, maybe a little reverse here, because ultimately if a defensive line is coming north and south, and Joe Thomas has said this number of times, it's one thing. But when you start making them move laterally left to right, it's a complete another thing because that's not what defensive linemen naturally do. So, for example, in week one, Baker Mayfield, completely fooled by Calais Campbell, dropping backwards into coverage, throws an interception. It's one of those things where I really think we're going to see the Browns come out, maybe with some of those G counters that Brian Baldinger pointed out a little bit. You're going to see kind of some misdirections just to see how disciplined are those backs on the backside? Because anybody who was a Browns fan in like the early 2010s, the mid 2000s, no, we couldn't set the backside edge to save our life. So I'll be really curious to see if Stefanski really stresses the edge to see how disciplined all these first round uh, defensive linemen are. Yeah, and I think we'll see quite a lot of motion as well um, pre-snap because if Baker's got to get it out quick, finding out if his man or his uh, zone's obviously going to help him and give him that sort of extra point one two three of a second um, that can really be the difference in these situations. And I think if we flip it to the defensive side, Denzel Ward obviously not practicing today and then uh, being listed as questionable is a massive problem because I'm not that worried about the rest of the receivers. If... Denzel was locking down um, Terry McLaurin. I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll be all right today. Um, whereas if we've got Terrence Mitchell on him, I feel less confident. So fingers crossed Denzel will be back and able to just match up one-to-one all game. Yeah, it sounded like a little bit of a groin tweak. Now, ironically enough, if he does come back, and you know, I know that they ruled Greedy out um, and OV out. So they at this point, the Heat as Coach Stefanski said, is truly questionable. You may not see him follow McLaurin. You know, as we know, Joe Woods is a big proponent of using quarters or a cover three type of defense. So it could be one of those things where maybe they just let Denzel hold down a side of the field where he's not exactly worried about staying with a guy like McLaurin who likes to do a lot of drag routes. You know, they obviously are very familiar with each other from their time at Ohio State. But with Greedy out, you have Money Mitch, but it maybe make a little bit more sense to just sit back in zone, let Washington, I mean, really, you only got one guy to worry about. And as we know, Bill Belichick does this all the time, where it's like, all right, 
I'm going to take away your other guy and I'm just going to double McLaurin and, you know, Woods, I think maybe, I think he did that quite a bit with San Francisco uh, last year. So it could be one of those things where we just see it that way, where, you know what, McLaurin, you really don't have anybody else. So we'll just take away that option and we'll go man on the other side and take your shot. No, it'd be a good shout. Put the pressure on Dwayne Haskins to make throws. He's a pocket passer, so he's not going to be running around and doing the crazy stuff. So there's not going to be as much need for that. So just force him in there and make him throw it. Um, because, yeah, the, the guy does have a lot of nice plays, but the more pressure you put on him, the more chance of a mistake. You get that interception, and that, that can have a massive impact on the game. Oh, absolutely. And the one thing that I want to see from a defensive standpoint is – you know, Washington's going to be without their all-pro guard, Brandon Scherf. And this specifically means that that interior D-line, you know, the Sheldon Richardsons, the Larry Ogan Jobies, the Jordan Elliotts, I want to see those guys eat. This is an opportunity for those guys, you know, because ultimately if the Washington likes to, let's say, come up with a scheme to try to neutralize Miles Garrett, because let's be honest, none of their offensive tackles are really going to be able to handle him one-on-one. So you almost have to say, you know what, I'm going to pick my poison with Miles Garrett. Morgan Moses ain't going to be able to get it done. Uh, you know, they got that one guy, I believe it's like Garen Christian Sr. You know, these guys, they're not on Miles Garrett's level. They're just not. So to avoid Miles Garrett running rough shop on that outside, they're likely going to have to keep a tight end in. They're right, likely going to have to chip. You know, unfortunately, Antonio Gibson is a, you know kind of a scat back, so it's not like he's going to be in there all the time. So I really want to see the interior of the off uh, the defensive line wreak some havoc because you know the Washington center and the guards aren't the most you know strong point. You know, they're, I think they're bringing in West Schweitzer, who's going to fill in, and I think he was absolutely atrocious last game against Arizona. So this would be the thing. I'm really going to watch that point of attack and see how much penetration the Browns get right up front. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Taylor. Obviously, had a really good game first game. Only a few snaps, but did really well on those. And then not as much when he got slightly more snaps, I believe, in the second game. Um, so hopefully we can see him grow because, yeah, if you can have that sort of four on the interior, each getting pressure because they can't sustain it for as many snaps as they are. Uh, edge so that depth is really key to cycle through and the trouble you're going to have is obviously uh claiborne's questionable at the moment we're potentially in a position where port augustine's starting as an outside edge so uh that could be uh if you follow the browns twitter this week five-star porter augustine is making some hay hey i i i'm on the port augustine bandwagon but the trouble is you want him as your fourth edge not your uh second edge Yes, there's definitely a role for Mr. Porter. And uh, yes, you would prefer him to be coming in against not so fresh on the outside. But again, if you're getting penetration in the middle and then all of a sudden you got Miles Garrett on one side, hey, poor Augustine's going to be going one-on-one. So you're going to find out whether or not you belong in the NFL real quick. So offensively, you know, I heard Joe Wood say this week, Ronnie Harrison, I'm curious to see how many snaps he is going to get. You know, I think on this season, he's got less than 10. So this could be a game. He's been here long enough now. Uh, in that Bengals game, he was definitely late coming over um, on the touchdown that was at the tight end, Uzama. And you could see it because that was the end zone we were in. You looked at it and you saw he hesitated. 
the tight end came out. We started calling it out. By that point, it was too late. So you could tell he's definitely thinking too much and not reacting. So hopefully Joe Woods was able to get him kind of geared up to just get out there and play instinctually as opposed to sitting there and trying to think about what it is he's going to do. Because I really think he is the key to your three safety defense, my friend. Yeah, no, he's definitely needs to come on. Um, obviously, there was hope around Sheldrick Redvine, but he really haven't seen much there. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, Mac Wilson's now down as questionable, um, so we might see some snaps from him. They might give him just an extra week if they uh, decide that's the best way forward, but that one's going to be an interesting one to see at game time. Um, it, it's one where we just want to see that constant improvement from the defence. Because, yeah, it's going to take time to get them together. We need to get through these injuries, um, and that will come. But if we can get that sorted, then uh, there's positives there. Where are you at score prediction? Obviously, the line, we'll just start with the line before we get into what we think. Are we still at eight? Uh, Seven. It's down to seven. So where do you stand on that? I'm not betting it, by the way. I'm not putting yeah. any money on that line. It's hard to give Browns almost a double-digit victory. I mean, that there's definitely – it's going to take some, some brass stones to, to lay that number. Um, I think the offense – it could be a little bit of a sluggish first half because you're matching strength on strength. It could be one of those ones where, you know, the Browns are maybe up – 14 to six or 14, nine or something like that in the first half. I do see them pulling away. You know, I, as I said, after our week one game, the Browns are going to have a couple games where they effortlessly put up 30 points. One of them being against the Cincinnati Bengals. I do think they're going to crack the 30 point threshold again. I'm going to put the final score as 31 to 24 going with the push. And I think the Browns will be up 31-17, and then it's going to be a garbage time touchdown. 31-24. Well, I've got an early thing up. I've gone bold as well. So I, I start uh, – let's uh, just work on the spread, which side of our other thing, and then I just thought, fuck it. And this is what I went with. Washington 23, Cleveland 36. 36? Oh, wow. Boom. So, going to right. cook. Question. Prop bet. More total yards, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. Total if it was yards. the first three quarters, I would 100% no. take uh, Hunt. But I'm going to go Hunt. I'm going to say Hunt. You're going to say Hunt. Okay. Given these linebackers and their coverage abilities, it's definitely not a crazy stat. So it could be one of those things where we do, in fact – See, maybe this could be the game. You know, one thing we saw a lot with Kareem Hunt in Kansas City was that Patrick Mahomes dances, finds Kareem Hunt in the flat, and 60 yards later, he's in the end zone. So this could be one of those ones because I will tell you, if Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb get into space in the outside, specifically against this secondary, you could see a nice long. And the Browns haven't done really much in the screen game this year. So I could feasibly see Kareem Hunt getting a nice 50 or 60 yard screen pass for a touchdown. So I'm going to just take the opposite just to be difficult. I'm going to take Nick Chubb. So we will have a gentleman's bet for, you know, one pint of Guinness that Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, total yards. Jack takes Kareem Hunt. Ian is taking Nicholas Chubb. I'm going to have a uh, apple cider, please. In, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, send you, a, I'll send you a Stelzer water with a shot of Jameson in it. <laughs> so, 
But yeah, I will say, uh, we talked about this a little bit beforehand, and I know there's been a little bit of whirl out there um, that the Browns have a little bit of an interest in getting Mr. Ogan Joby uh, signed on for a couple more years. You know, I don't think it's going to be some like massively big extension. Larry Ogan Joby's pretty much been an average flash good player. Obviously, week one good, obviously, week two bad. So I think if he is going to get the extension that he, you know, is looking for, it could be one of those things where he's going to have to show up on Sunday. So I would expect a decent game out of him. And then maybe the old D Podesta pillars of saying, let's get this guy under contract before he maybe finishes the season strong and his price goes up. Yeah. The, the issue you've got with Hogan Joby is uh, in the first week of the season, he was the best interior defender. Um, pushing Aaron Donald to number two. And then in the second week of the season, he was just bang average. Um, so for me, he's a guy that you can play 50% of snaps, but he's not a guy that you really want much more than that. So what do you do to work that out? And I think it's someone where maybe you put him on 3 million and then you have another guy potentially on 3 million or you have another guy you draft in sort of the third round that you pair him with and go, look, we'll just bounce between the two. I don't think he's one of them guys where you go, he's going to be our starter for the next three years in that position. Um, and that just puts you in an awkward position. So I don't think you can get paid like the way some other guys are paid. But if they sit down with him and go, look, here's the offer we're willing to make, what do you fancy? So uh, it's one you can uh, see what happens. The, the ironic part about Joby this year is I just feel like in the past, I never really saw him as being kind of a force against the run. And it's kind of been the two air, uh, like the single area, you know, we talk about his ability to gap penetrate, especially sitting there over the nose. And he hasn't been as effective in doing that as he has been against the run. You know, people wondered how in the hell did he rate out higher than Aaron Donald in week one? He had like a 95 rating or something like that in the run game. So, and I, you know, he wasn't as high in the, uh, in the second game against Cincinnati, but he's still graded out relatively decently in terms of his run game. The problem he had in week two is he just had absolutely no pass rush. So it is one of those things where I think in terms of a, you know, a, a, a solid guy, like we always talk about that middle-class of talent, you know, the Browns have never had it because every time a guy gets to the middle-class of talent, he goes somewhere else to win. Ogan Joby could be that guy. You know, he's obviously good friends with Miles Garrett. You know, they're going to work out. They're going to push each other. Let's hope they maybe play off of each other a little bit. But, you know, I would expect Ogan Joby's going to, you know, be in my running for uh, a game ball on Sunday because I think he's going he's gonna to have a, a decent game. There was one funny comment uh, Miles Garrett made this week. Uh, I think it was today where he said, uh, I want to push myself. I want to be the best player on the field every, uh, um, every snap. game put me up against their best offensive player and uh, I'll do what I can. And uh, Ryan Burns tweeted, I don't think he's going to do very well covering Terry McLaurin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know what though? In red zone, I bet you any money because Miles has short air quickness. And let's be honest, he's going to jam him at the line of scrimmage. So Terry's not going to get off the line. There may be an illegal contact if he gets an extra step, but I wouldn't mind seeing it, but. Miles is just that much of a freak athlete. So, but no, I think, I think the Browns are in good shape. Um, I don't know if you know this stat or not, but I believe the last time the Browns record during the regular season, because postseason's irrelevant because we haven't seen it since NAM, the last time the Browns were above 500 in the regular season 
was the fighting Brian Hoyers of 2014. That's not one and oh, that's not two and one. The Browns have not been on the plus side of 500 in six seasons. That's embarrassing. And I'm still a fan. I'll blame Hugh Jackson. Yeah. The most common question I get out here in Chicago is how the hell have you been a Browns fan this long? So, but yeah, no, I think the Browns need to go out, handle their business. You know, it's one of those ones where like Cincinnati, where I get screwed on a backdoor cover, the Browns should be at a two possession lead for the stressing parts of a game. So coming out of halftime, you know, I'd like to see them either in their first possession or get the ball and then go down there, get up two scores. Let's make Dwayne Haskins throw the ball. You know, obviously the Paul Brown podcast donating $25 for every sack that Miles Garrett has, you know, thanks to the water boys. We haven't played the Steelers yet. We're sacks count double, but I do see Miles Garrett maybe, you know, chipping in some cash to his water boys fund this week. Cause if the Browns can get up 10 or 15 points and they're forced to throw the ball, look out Irene. Cause Miles Garrett is going to want to make some money. Yeah, I, I, I did lie earlier. I have actually got a tiny little bet on the Browns. I've got a massive accumulator of teased out uh, overs. So I just need over 39 and a half, which I think easily will come in. So, uh, yeah, give me some points into the game. Instead of staying in the chase, doubling down. It's a disease, Leon. Yeah, man. Look, admitting you have a problem is the first step. Gamble, no. gamble, gamble, gamble. Yeah, love it. People in America always wonder what the hell you guys are doing over there in England. Well, there it is. The bet 365 and you can bet at a gas station and, you know, bet at the, uh, the clubs that Paul go to where he brings his lion. Since he's not on the show to defend himself, Paul always makes us give reviews and ratings on the team's performance on a one to 10 scale, sevens being excluded. What would you rate Paul's picture with the Bentley and the lion? I loved it. It was so good. I give it a nine. First of all, Paul looks kind of like I do without my shirt on. So anytime somebody has the, the, the gravitas to do that, I, it may, I woke up, I turned and I showed it to my fiance. I was like, this is Paul Brown. And she just looked at me and she goes, please don't ever do that. <laughs> so now, amazing job. He's not here, but yeah, definitely a nine. I was half tempted to make it the cover of our, you know, group chat. So good times. Paul's probably sleeping now and he's going to wonder how long it's going to take me to edit this afterwards because I am the best editor at 11 PM central time that you could possibly have. So, all right. Any, any other thoughts? Who do you, if you were to say a player uh, you're going to be on the lookout for on Sunday, either offensive or defensive, who are you looking at? Us or for them? Uh, for us. For us. Um, I'm going to be keeping an eye on whoever is the third corner. So that's going to be my um, interest. So we've obviously had my boy Tavarius Thomas that should never be playing defensive snaps ever um, in there. So hope, I'm hoping we get someone else in there and uh, we can just see what happens. So that's what I'm keeping an eye out for. Give me some better play in the slot um, well, because that's where we've been targeting. Help is there. Kevin Johnson is, let's be honest. Kevin Johnson with a lacerated liver, I think could cover better than Tavier Thomas was. I mean, when you look at passer ratings on teams over the middle, good God almighty, it was not exactly the best thing in the world. Joe Burrow was having a field day against those guys, but 
Um, yeah, I think getting Kevin Johnson back is going to make a huge impact. I definitely – that's a matchup. The problem is, is I have no idea a re- receiver from Washington is even going to closely match up against him because, by God, I, I can I, – right off the top of your head, can you name three wide receivers for the Washington football team? Steve Sims Jr., Terry McLaurin, and uh, Gandy Golden. Gandy Golden, yeah. The guy, though, that's going to be in the slot, because I don't think Gandy Golden's played much just here. Uh, looking at PFF, he has had uh, five snaps. Uh, Dontrell Inman, the guy from the Chargers. Oh. So he's their slot receiver. And then they've got uh, Terry McLaurin and uh, Sims on the outside. Yeah. So. Logan then, Thomas at tight ends had a lot yeah. of hype. Um, bet is under. Did it last week. That hit. Yeah. Well, if you look, I think even in the FanDuel DraftKings, he's like a, like a sleeper type of low risk buy. I, 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 I would advise all you DraftKings and daily fantasy people to stay away from Logan Thomas. I don't see Washington. I don't see that paying off. Bet, bet in public service announcement, bet unders more than overs um, on player props, much more like to hit. They're boring to watch. So uh, don't stake too much money. Just spread that out. And uh, you'll be all right. I relate to. But uh, I got to say, if I learned anything, it's that gambling is not your problem. It's not. Not even close. But, well, good stuff. Um, if anything changes between now and then, we'll get a little update. Other than that, um, my lovely fiance is currently in Florida on her bachelorette party. She is not flying home until after the Browns game. So I will be uninterrupted watching the entire game. I did pony up and foot the bill for a little bit of the Sunday ticket because now you can do it with a streaming and not through satellite. Um, so I've had to turn off all of the alerts because in our fantasy football league, the app will send you alerts like two minutes before the play happens. I don't know how that damn thing does it, but geez, I get updates two plays in advance. So I've had to shut all that stuff off on my game days because otherwise I'll know way in advance what's going on. So. Uh, well, I'll probably do because there's, there's some good games in six o'clock um, and uh, Tennessee minus 2.5. Go and bet it, guys. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, that, um, I'll probably have my main TV with the Browns and sound and then I'll put a second TV underneath on the floor. It means I'll have to stash the dog somewhere else, obviously, and eat the TV. Um, and then I can have red zone on as well. So I might double TV it this week. Well, there you go. So in the uh, Paul Brown Podcast League updates, I'm going up against our guy Swedish Browns this week. You're going to be the next victim um, of my team. Jack, I think you're going up against uh, our boy Mike Browns UK, you know, always uh, active on Twitter. And Paul's going up against the guys over there at the five-yard rush. So uh, a lot of good matchups this week in the, uh, the Paul Brown Podcast League. The rabbit is out the bag for me. It, it, my true colors have shown. I'm actually starting six running backs this week. Six running backs in fantasy. And they're crackers. Obviously, James Robinson's put me off to a good start with a uh, 30.9. So, uh, got Miles Sanders in there. We've got uh, Taylor in there. We've got Connor in there. We've got Mike Davis. We've got Derek Henry. It's just sex on legs. I think at this point, people are just going to start reporting us for spam because I don't think anyone believes that you possibly – could name six running backs, yet alone start six running backs. But I can confirm in looking at the roster, they're there. So, and and then I've I've even got Freeman and Moss stashed on the bench. Well, There's Moss, I think, is out. Talent but everywhere. 
I will tell you, I don't know if he listens every episode, but if he is this one, I've had to eat two weeks of a little bit of Josh Allen crow. Now, to be fair, Josh Allen's gone up against dog poop and dog shit. So he has not gone up against great defenses, but he's performing in fantasy. So our boy Jack McCurry uh, has had a little bit of fun jabbing at me because I personally think Josh Josh Allen sucks, even though he mops in some garbage time fantasy points. So him and I are the only 2-0 teams in the league. So I need Josh Allen to fall off the cliff, much like his other quarterback, Tom Brady, who is about three weeks away from the Shady Acres retirement home. So, uh, Drew Brees is washed, bet Green Bay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, all those people out there that saw. I, you know what it reminded me of? Cody Kessler. Watching Drew Brees throw reminded me of Cody Kessler. Can't throw the ball deep. I mean, everybody in the world knew Cody Kessler could not throw it deep. Everybody knows Drew Brees can't throw it deep. Well, I've, I've got plenty on uh, the Aaron Rodgers bandwagon, the, uh, t- the mighty Ryan Tannehill future Hall of Famer, backing that man this week. Oh, boy. Um, and then uh, we're, we're loving a bit of the old, uh, the Bills to flop. Why not? It's always a sound bet. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, bit of Tampa Bay Tom against, uh, unfortunately, not going to be the <laughs> Blake Bortles-led uh, Denver Broncos. Um, that's, that's a tragedy in its own right there. So. And then what's the other one I'm loving? Uh, who knows? There's a lot about there. You got San Fran, the Giants, Eagles, Bengals. Uh, don't, don't, don't touch that. Don't touch this San Fran. Um, Giants yeah, that's, that's weird. Too many I saw random things could happen. Patriots, uh, Raiders is going to be a good game. I'll watch that one. Yeah, I've got so, no money on it. And then you have the Steelers, Texans. So, got a lot of good games out there. So, all right. Well, we'll get out of there. It's been a little bit, uh, you know, we've been just chatting it up in Paul's absence. I know most of you missed him, so you've probably turned it off by now because you don't want to hear to these two blubbering idiots. But, you know, we definitely ap- uh, appreciate everybody's support. You know, Jack, where can people find you on Twitter if they already haven't found your verified account? Ooh, it's at Jack Duffin, J-A-C-K-D-U-F-F-I-N. Where can they find you? I am coincidentally at Ian 19, easy one to find. Just got to remember there's three vowels in the consonant, I-A-I-N. Shoot us your thoughts, predictions, what you're thinking. Tell us we're idiots. Tell us we're smart. We don't mind. We have thick skin. But uh, most importantly, go Browns. And what we want is the best conspiracy theories on why Paul Brown wasn't on this podcast. That's what we want to see in the tweets. Give us conspiracy theories. Yes. Anyone who has them, put them out there, and I'll turn it into a little audio file for the next podcast. So we're open to all suggestions. Go Browns. Regulators. We regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Got to be handy with the steal, if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Mount up.